You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Brock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started This episode of the Classroom Collaborative Podcast is sponsored by a live studio zoo. Need to increase student engagement or improve student outcomes? Then let us tell you about our sponsor. Alive Studios uses 3D augmented reality animals to create magical learning adventures for kids. Learning the foundations for reading and math while interacting with the 26 zoo animals will have your pre-K or kindergarten classroom squealing with excitement. They even have apps for mobile devices so kids can make the animals come alive at home. I have personally been using their products in my classroom for years, and I can say for certain that my kids loved it. Be sure to check out AliveStudioZoo.com to join all the fun. Their programs are also great for language learners, special needs, and at-risk intervention. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Adam Peterson with... Hi, I'm Dee Dee Wills. How are you, Dee Dee? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you again, and I'm so excited to have uh, our guest on today. We we haven't had a guest for a couple episodes, but... um, This is someone I've been wanting to bring on ever since I met the guy. So back in November, you all know if you've listened to this for any time now that uh, I gave a TED talk. And um, at that TEDx event, the opening speaker was someone who just inspired me in rehearsals. Really, I got to see his rehearsal and then I got to see his talk. And we've kind of become friends since that date. He and his wife connected with me at the, the after party events and whatnot. And we've just stayed in touch and so excited to bring on, um, I like to call him my friend, uh, Mr. Justin Sandler. How are you, Justin? Uh, hello. 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 Hello, my, f- <laughs> hello, my friend. <laughs> hello, my friend. <laughs> my friend. Um, Adam makes friends everywhere he goes, but he always makes the best friends. So I am so glad to officially meet you. Um, and for those people who have not heard of you before, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, it's pretty fascinating, you guys. So hit it. Hit it, Justin. <laughs> Boom. Here I go. Well, Boom. Didi, you can, you can be my friend too. Okay. 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 Good. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Cause I like making friends also. <laughs> you can ask my, my wife. I, I make friends with the, the cashier at Trader Joe's. I talk to everybody. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think I remember that. I feel like Mary Lou <laughs> was trying to pull you out of the, the, the bar and Trisha was trying to pull me out. And we were like, we need to go to sleep because we got to wake up and speak tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. This, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, for starters, thank you for having me on. It's um, awesome to be your guests today. And um, I'm really excited to get to share. Hopefully, um, what we talk about can help or inspire those going through life right now in, in today's uh, crazy world. Yeah. Um, you asked about me. I'm not yes. going to give you my, my whole thing, but I'll, I'll give you a, um, just a quick who I am. And if anybody wants to know more about me, um, I can give you some links later on yep. to find me. But my name is Justin Sandler. Um, I am originally from Chicago. I'm talking to you guys live today from Los Angeles, where I've called home for many years now because I work in the entertainment business. Um, My college uh, education was at Indiana University, in case any Hoosiers are watching. But... uh, but out here in LA, um, I've sort of worked on every aspect of the entertainment business professionally. Uh, I'm a director, writer, editor. Uh, my wife and I own Three Cube Studios, which is a production studio for film and photography. And we do have uh, um, some of our own productions out as well as projects we've been hired to uh, do for other companies and whatnot. Um, I've also for a very long time been a performer uh, professionally as a drummer and as an actor. And I've gotten to really enjoy a pretty exciting career in both music and in film and TV. Uh, I've worked with a lot of great um, artists out there as far as music goes, a lot of great actors on the screen. 
I've gotten to tour and record records and really the experiences that I've lived um, over my life have been some of the most wild and crazy stories that I'll have to to tell forever and um, (laughs) things I would have never experienced had I not just, you know, kind of gone for it. And it hasn't been easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, it's I mean, it, sound, crazy ride. it sounds like just like a normal life then, right? I mean, like just everybody else, you know, I'm in a rock band and I do acting and producing and you know that sounds, that lo- sounds pretty that. amazing. It does. And, and the cool part is, and I like, we had a chance to spend the weekend together for here, here and there at dinners and whatnot during the, the TED event. And um, this is like the stereotypical <clears> life. <throat> if, if we had to go that route, like, People, I just picture people who who have the career that you have and have been in that, like some people wouldn't be as approachable or as personable and, and you and your whole family, like your parents were there, your, your, I think your aunt and uncle were at the event. Um, it was the best conversations I've had with with strangers in a long time. So I think that speaks highly to the type of person you are too. And I think that's really why we wanted to bring you on this show was your message was so good, but you and your wife are just awesome people to hang out with. And um I'm glad you mentioned your story for this time because we're in such a, my friend the other day used the word uncharted territory, right? Like this hasn't happened in, in our generations of our lives, what's going on right now in in 2020. So after, I mean, I wanted to bring you on before that, Justin, but after now going through what we're going through, there's a lot of people who are in this quarantine that could really hear your message. And we don't have to do your whole talk because I want them to go watch your TED talk too, when it's available to watch. Um, but I want I want people to hear your message because it was a really cool story. I remember just sitting back when I first saw you. I knew I knew we'd kind of connect based on seeing you on stage. I'm like, yeah, that guy's kind of like my style. And then uh, I, I heard you talk on stage, and um, I'm like, man, this this you're not a teacher, but you speak to what teachers need to hear, or what everybody needs to hear. <clears throat> so um, your talk at the TEDx event was called "Embrace Love Free," and I kind of want you to tell your background of why you got there because it's a fascinating story but also share a little bit of your talk and the message that anybody listening today can take your message and, and push through this, this quarantine and this pandemic. Awesome. I am more than happy to take you guys down that road. Um, so you mentioned Embrace Love Free, and that is, um, that's actually become more like my motto, my roadmap, um, my philosophy for life. And the TED Talk itself um, became a more academic version. So you say like as in a teacher, I guess technically we're all teachers. We all have something to teach someone somehow. Um, but uh, we more specifically made the, the title of the TED Talk, Three Steps to Overcome Any Obstacle. And I gave a, a more academic version of my story versus the way I've been sharing it previously in more of a storytelling platform, um, just, just for the format. But essentially, you know, I had been enjoying a, um, a good life, uh, of course, not without its ups and downs and and crazy challenges and stuff. But um, by the uh, early part of 2017, I had seen my music, my acting, my filmmaking, um, even my physical fitness all kind of reaching some of the tops. And I was really seeing that my life was taking off in in a place that I had always wanted it to. And it was all sort of coming together in a really interesting way. And I was really excited for what was next. And by April of 2017, right before I was like getting ready to do launch into another project, um, I had to take a little detour and, and go to have a CT scan because I had felt um, pretty ill and was having a lot of chest issues. And that scan came back um, with a unknown at the time mass that was growing inside of my chest. 
And after um, being referred through the, the doctors at UCLA and doing insane amounts of testing, I found out that I, in fact, had cancer. And I was diagnosed with a germ cell tumor, uh, which is an embryonic-based uh, misplaced cell. So something, nothing I did, nothing I could have done to stop it. It was a, a misplaced cell from way back when that just came alive and started to just grow exponentially, and it grew fast. And by the time we found it, it was almost 14 centimeters long, and it was uh, in my chest here. It was pushing my heart, my right lung, my main veins, and, and other things as well. It was just really, it was like doing some of that kind of stuff, and yeah. so. Um, as this thing was so aggressive, we had to be even equally as aggressive with the treatment plan. And I was thrown into this, uh, this tailspin. I had to move into the hospital. I was, I was rigged up to a chemo. They installed a port in my chest, mm-hmm. a little shot right there. Yeah. Um, and I wore this port and did chemo three different kinds, 24 hours a day, week at a time. So I literally was living in and out of the hospital for the entire summer of 2017. And then once we finally had the, um, the tumor was finally contained and all the cells were dead, it left behind a rock, basically, which we had to do uh, a full open chest surgery to remove the tumor. And with it, I lost you know, a good part of my right lung. I lost part of my heart's pericardial sac and uh, my main uh, superior vena cava vein was rebuilt and uh, using bovine heart tissue. I mean, there's been a, it was a whole like sort of redoing of my anatomy. Um, and I found myself as well later in the year uh, having complications from the surgery and being rushed into the hospital. I was actually, my heart was collapsing and I was rushed into the hospital to have emergency heart surgery. And then I had a second heart surgery a week later. And, you know, basically that year just kicked my ass. And um, most people, um, rightfully so, would have been pretty beat down from that. I think a lot of people wouldn't have survived it. And I know I definitely, you know, faced my own mortality many times, but I, I did get through to the other side and I've been really, really hard at work rebuilding myself and my life and my body and my stamina and growing my hair back, of course, because I lost <laughs> all that ever since. Um, but I want to just kind of quickly give you guys that, um, that medical journey so that we can really dive, go backwards now and dive into the kind of beautiful, magical journey of it all, and how that applies to what we're doing today. Um, I think, so, I think I, I don't want to interrupt your story, but I, I love that you, you, in your, in your Ted talk, I know you do this too. You carried humor throughout that as well, because, um, I know Justin hasn't mentioned it here, but he's been a, a vegan practicing vegans for, for nine years now. Is that right? um yeah 2011 yeah yeah nine years and and your joke was they they replaced your heart with what (laughs) (laughs) i know it's a it's 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 got it's got a good zing in the ted talk but uh, yeah so they 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 rebuilt my my main vein in my chest um with bovine heart tissue so so you know i woke up and they gave me all the all the results of the surgery and they said so essentially we had to use you know the the heart tissue from a, a cow to rebuild your vein. And that wasn't, that wasn't disclosed beforehand as in the things that may have to happen. Right. They told me I might die, but they didn't tell me they might have to put a, <laughs> another animal inside of my body. And so when I found out, I was, I was kind of mortified, you know, I was like, Oh, I mean, as a, as a long time vegan, it was quite shocking to find out that I had cow inside of myself. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought to myself, man, now if I did ever go back and eat meat again, I'd probably be a cannibal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was, it was that cow's way of thanking you for going <laughs> vegan for so many years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I guess, and, you know, <sighs> I mean, we've saved, we've saved a lot of cows lives, I guess, over the years. So, there you go. Uh, so they saved mm. mine in, in, in return. 
You no, know. but I, I had to point that out because, and you guys that are that are listening or watching this, um, I know we're still waiting on his TED Talk edits, but we'll link it all on his website and it'll be there when it is available. But when you watch this, I think I know I'm, my favorite part of that is the way you you humored yourself with that because your story is so deep, right? Like you are so, and there's so much that could have gone wrong with this, and you face things that a lot of people have not or will ever face in their lives, and. The fact that you were able to carry through with with kind of a giggle here and there, you know, just speaks volumes about the type of, of fighter you are. I guess if that's the the most uncliche way to say that, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's let me let me look at my book uh, book of cliches and see right. if there's a better one. <laughs> but if not, we'll go with that one. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and I personally wouldn't use the word fighter, but but you'll learn you'll learn why in a, in a minute. But yes, humor um, is essential because. I mean, there's so many reasons why, you know, even laughing in general raises serotonin. I mean, there's so many reasons that humor is important in life. But when you're going through something so dark and so deep, especially when you're retelling the story of it, you, know, you just can't, you can't be the bummer. You got you to really give it life. You got to tell a story and, and hit all the, you know, all the moments and all the emotions. Um, I actually, in 20, uh, yeah, 2019, I turned my whole story into a one-man show. Um, I wrote a 90-minute play, essentially, of me playing over 20 characters, playing drums, doing songs, and doing all this acting, plus um, having videos of my actual journey. Since we, we live um, did live videos throughout my entire journey, my wife and I did a lot of them together. I had, you know, in my show, 40-some-odd videos, clips um, of as I was progressing, you know, from my hair falling out to getting sicker to everything I was going through. So you got to see funny stuff happening on stage and the reality came through the videos and then I'd come back out in some weird shtick. I mean, my, my, my tumor had his own character and parts of my body. I mean, you know, I just really animated it all and made it really uh, fun and funny and endearing in a way that you could tell a story with an important message and keep people excited and interested and not just make everybody leave feeling like they want to kill themselves. I mean, you know, it's really important, I think, to, uh, to do, anytime you're trying to infuse a message or tell a story about something so deep and so dark, you have to make it entertaining. And that was right. the, the main goal of making my one-man show. Um, yeah. So to, uh, to get to the name of the one-man show, as well as what you mentioned earlier, Embrace Love Free, um, this is something that uh, came to me early on. It was right before I moved into my first round of, of chemo. Um, I practice a lot of different uh, spiritualities, and I, I like to go real deep. I've been doing a lot of you know, self-improvement uh, and self-work for a long time. And I think that's really important. I think that's one of the big messages I like to convey to people is that you know, a lot of times we wait until something is uh, going wrong before we start eating better or working out. Or, you know, a lot of people like when they're ill, they suddenly find God or big spirit or, or whatever your, your way is. Um, and I think that if you give yourself the ability to find those things when you're not sick or, or hurting, and when something inevitably happens, because no one gets, you know, through life without little things, big things, it doesn't matter. We all are, are faced with stuff you'll be in a lot better of a position to deal with what you're dealing with. Um, even going through, you know, going through the COVID and everything being stopped right now, you know, the people who have been do, practicing different, you know, modalities and philosophies are handling this way better than someone who just kind of was going about life sort of in the clouds. And now all of a sudden it's like, bam, and what do I do? Mm. And you're just sort of facing it with nothing behind you. Right. No so tools, I, I, right? No tools. You need to yeah. have the tools in your kit. So I had already been eating healthy. 
I'd already been vegan since 2011, already been working out like a madman, practicing Buddhism, meditation, journaling, personal development, all the things that I think gave me the power to when something happened, I was able to sit with it a little bit and be like, oh, okay, uh, it's shocking, it's crazy, everything is like a whirlwind right now, but let me sit down and see if I can quantitate it. And I was really deep in chanting, and while I was doing that, I, I, just, sort of, I just sort of let go. And I started to hear the words, embrace your cancer, love your cancer, free your cancer. Like it just started to come to me. I was like, what does this mean? I didn't really understand it, but I, I held on to those words and I, I remembered those words. And once I finally kind of got over the shock of being diagnosed as a cancer patient and I was moving into the hospital, I got into my room, I started to put those into practice. And the way I did it was I learned that embrace, you know, being the first step, uh, was so important. And, uh, and I guess to make this sort of easy, and so I don't talk for an hour here, I'll explain how I did it uh, and how we can compare it to what's happening right now. And I'll, I'll put those together. This might be easier this way. Um, because inevitably, what happened to me was I was put in a situation that I didn't want to be in and that I had no control over. Sound familiar? Yeah. We're all, we're all quarantined at home in a situation right. we didn't want to be in. And we have no control over it. Right. And a lot of times um, people will sort of go into the state of trying to deny it, but you're just living in denial. You know, you can't, you can't say, like, I couldn't say I don't have cancer. It was there. Mm -hmm. I couldn't close my eyes and wish the tumor away. It was there. So by accepting, that's where the power lies. So whether it was me accepting my cancer or whether it's you accepting uh, what's happening in the world today and what's happening with you and your personal lives, wherever you are, the first step in, in taking on the obstacle that you're facing, for me then it was, it was cancer. For everyone now, it's maybe the COVID or, or maybe it's the byproducts of what's happening financially to us. Or, you know, we're all being faced with obstacles. And the reason that I wanted to do the TED Talk was to give people the three-step tools to face any obstacle, not just an illness. So embracing my cancer didn't just mean saying, okay, I have cancer. I agree. It meant I have cancer. I accept. I, I see you. I hear you. I get it. You're there. I don't deny that you're there. I, I can look at this now and say, okay, I can embrace the world I'm in and know that I, I have a long journey ahead of me, a difficult road ahead of me, and it's not going to be easy. But if I start today by embracing what I have and what I'm, what I'm going through and accept it all the way through and through, then it gives me the best fighting chance to even move to the next step. And that embracing also comes with giving you great power. Because once you embrace something and take it on, you take ownership of it. I, like, cancer didn't have me. I, I had cancer. I owned it. I embraced it. I, right. I held it close to me and I said, okay, I can do this now. What, what do I need to do? What's the best way to go through this? And it gave me a clear mind. So if you say, okay, I'm going through all this struggle right now in the world. How can I embrace it, accept it, so that I'm not living as the victim of it? And in, instead, I can figure out what can I best do to live my life through it and mm -hmm. to go through these days in the situation I'm in. So for me, what that looked like was, you know, moving into my, my hospital room 
It, it didn't mean just laying around and mindlessly watching TV all day and all this stuff. It meant I turned my room into essentially like my sanctuary. Had essential oils. My wife helped me set it up every time. You know, I'd have little uh, electronic candles. I bring in instruments and singing bowls and beads for chanting. I had journals and books. I brought my own food in, and I really created a space where I could thrive. And every day I woke up and it wasn't like, oh, I have cancer and I'm going through chemo and I feel sick today. Sure, I did feel sick a lot. But it was yeah. now that I'm, I'm in my room, what can I do to start my day a great way? And then, so I'd order my breakfast, I'd sit up, I'd chant, I'd meditate, I'd do some journaling, a little bit of reading. I'd eat my breakfast, I'd get myself sponge bath, and I'd go take a walk around the, you know, the floor, uh, get my exercise in, I would make conversation with other patients, I'd talk to the nurses. I just really found a way to raise my vibration. And that raising of my vibration, I think really helped with the healing and helped me deal with the side effects because they were pretty hard to go through. Mm -hmm. So one thing anyone can do right now is think of different things, modalities, whatever speaks to you and how can you raise your vibration? What are some things that you can do right now to really raise what's going on with your life, to give you more power, to give you more inspiration to turn this time into value versus being the victim of what's happening to you. So once you really uh, get the embracing part down, we move to what's really um, the biggest meatiest part of this and vegan meat joke there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is the love, the love section, right? So by loving what we're going through, and this is the hard pill to swallow for most people, but yeah, okay, embrace it. I get it. But how am I supposed to love this? Right. And it's like, well, I don't see any way not to love it. Now, here's the thing. Anytime something happens to us, you know, we always have the choice to react in which way we're going to react. We don't choose what happened. We choose the reaction. Right. Where's their power? I mean, there's power in love. There's power of vibration. Really, I mean, I get a little woo-woo here with you guys, but love is the energy that vibrates bigger and higher. It is known to have healing properties. It's known to have a positive effect on those around you. The opposite of love is really fear. And so when you're coming from a fear-based, lack-based mentality, what's happening is you're becoming very small. You're playing small. Your energy is very small. And you're more susceptible to things happening to you. And you're, you're going to have a harder time overcoming your challenge unless you can say, you know what, forget it. I'm dealing with this huge obstacle. What are some ways that I can be in love right now? You don't have to love the obstacle. I chose to, but you don't have to love the obstacle, but you can love the space you're in. You can love what you're doing, you know, about it. I mean, a lot of people are saying, okay, I'm, I'm stuck at home. How can I vibrate in love? Whether it's improving your relationships, whether it's working on a project you've been, you know, putting off, whether it's getting some organization done in your house, whether it's saying, hey, I lost a job that I hated and now I have a chance to reinvent myself. I love this. I love the opportunity for a reset right now mm-hmm. to get back to myself, to get more in alignment with myself. Because a lot of times we're so busy and we're hustling. And I was so busy and hustling too. I was doing a million things at once. Right. And I was, I was out of my own alignment. I had to find that center, that really strong foundation so that I had power in that. And so I, I, I chose to love being in the hospital and love all my nurses and love the family and friends who came to visit me. I then took a step even further, and a lot of people had no idea like how or why I would do this, but I chose to love my cancer. And what I did was I started to radiate love towards cancer. I started to radiate love towards the chemo, which, you know, at first I was very resistant to it. I mean, like I felt like it was poison. I didn't want to do the yeah. Western medicine. I had no choice. 
I felt like it was poison. But then once I said, I, I looked up at my rig of all the chemos and the other medicines that were dripping into me. And I started to chant and I started to send gratitude, gratitude and love. Those two things, gratitude and love constantly. You're coming in me. Yeah, you're doing a lot of damage, but you're also saving my life. Mm-hmm. So let me give you love so that my body will accept you more. I started looking at my tumor in my chest and I said, you know what? I need to have a relationship with this tumor. I need to, I need to love it. So I would chant to it. I would talk to it. Uh, I eventually named him JT, Justin's tumor. Um, <laughs> I would hold my chest. I would say, I would literally in deep, deep uh, meditation and chants. And I would say, I love you. I, I, I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you. You have become my greatest mentor and teacher. And even though this is really hard, I am learning right now in a short amount of time, more than I have learned in my entire life. Learning about myself, learning about the world, learning about life, learning about value. Mm -hmm. So how powerful was that? I mean, a lot of times it takes us getting really backed into a wall before we sort of come out swinging or come out with some new perspective or new inspiration. And what this gave me was the ability to really understand life at an even deeper level. Right. And I think, I think there's so many ways, I mean, that's, that's a deep story, but if we think about how that can affect, even we're not in a situation like coronavirus, but how that can affect your life in multiple times. I want to dive deeper into that, but um, before we do, let's take a little break for our, our sponsors real quick. Hey everybody, Didi and I absolutely love our sponsors, Alive Studio Zoo, and we know you will too. So make sure you visit alivestudioszoo.com to check out all their awesome augmented reality learning software for teachers, parents, and kids. All right, everyone, we are back with Justin Sandler. And we're going to continue the discussion, but um, I kind of, I'm sorry I cut you off there, but I said I wanted to dive deeper into this because we do have a lot of educators to listen to this. And I think that this story can go so far beyond the current situation of COVID-19 that the whole world is in. I want educators to think deeply. And, and this is not so much at the, the level of you know, life or death that Justin was facing. But think about when we, we start our years in our classroom, the brand new year, and we've got that, that one child, right? <laughs> that we, yeah. we are just fighting with mentally and we're, we're trying to figure out how we're going to connect because it, it, sometimes it takes a little bit. And, and I think these steps, while that's a whole different scenario, can, can come into play. Like how can you embrace the behaviors you're seeing and, and, and in fact, love those behaviors because every child has something going on that we know nothing about. Just like Justin had something going on that he really mm-hmm. knew very little about, right? Didi, I feel like that's a, a well, way I, to- I mean, I, I, I was, as he was talking, I was thinking the same thing. Because oftentimes we have, you know, in our, in our classrooms or in the moment right now, wishing that it would go away, wishing that it wasn't here doesn't change the fact that it is here. And that perhaps that child who is, you know, taking 90% of your energy right now is here. And so when, when we, ex- when we em- embrace that child and then, you know, teachers always talk about loving that child, right? Um, I think the child that needs the love the most is the one that's sometimes the hardest to give love to, right? <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, anyhow, those were the connections that I was having. Yeah, me too. So that is in no way me, listeners, comparing a child to a tumor. Please don't take it that way. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Really to our listeners, because I feel like, and I right. know I said this at the beginning of the talk, that as soon as, and I remember looking at my wife um, during this, I looked at my mom during this, our whole family, and I think everybody in that theater that day, Justin, was impacted by what you had to say. And I, I'll never forget the, the, the uniform, the, like the whole crowd going, oh. <gasps> 
when you mentioned the word cancer for the first time, because we saw you as this, this, you know, this rock star on stage, you're talking about living life to the fullest and working out and all those things. And, and I'll never forget that moment where I was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is not where I expected that talk to go. Yeah. And we immediately thought that it was going on this decline, but you raised everybody's spirits and kicked off the day. So let's continue there. You had talked about how you were loving everything that was happening to you, which is a very hard thing to do in that situation. I, I you know, I don't speak from experience because I've never been in it, but I can't imagine how hard that had to be to, to take that initial step to start the love process. Yes, uh, it was hard. And, and real fast, we are on the same day here, but I got a little cold during the break, so I put That's on the right. video. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining and cold in LA today. Weird. <laughs> Everything in the whole world's going nuts now. Um, yeah, you know what? It, it was hard. And the hardest part, I think, was the fact that I had so many things going on and I was working on so many projects and, and life was in, in going in a certain way that I had expected it to go. And then I had to stop everything. I had to literally, like all my agents got the call, Justin can't be submitted on any more jobs, no more auditions. I had to leave all the bands I was playing in. I had to stop production on a film that I was getting started to work on. Um, I mean, I literally had to shut it down and just focus on survival at that point. And that's where I was really, I was really frustrated because I went from, you know, working so hard to get to a place to have to just stop it all, not knowing how or when, if I'll ever get back to where I was. And so getting over that part for me was really hard. That was a big challenge for me to overcome as far as, as far as that goes. Once I, once I did the embrace exercise though, once I really sat with it and embraced it, I, I didn't feel that as much anymore. I really, the embracing really freed me of feeling like I was missing out. And so once I got to the love section, I, I was already past the stuff that was really that hard. And it felt very natural for me to move into the space of love. And when I found myself, I was out in my yard one night and I was chanting and I was chanting to the sky and I was kind of swaying. And I, I started to like literally form that relationship with the tumor and connect with it, it really felt beautiful and natural to me. And, and something really, uh, really important kind of uh, kicked off in my brain when I realized that, that cancer is not the enemy. The tumor was not my enemy. And this happened to a lot of people right from the day one were like, Justin, you got to kick its ass, man. F <laughs> cancer. You got to go to war with it. You got this. Beat it, buddy. And all that stuff felt so negative. You know, I've, I've watched over my lifetime more wars declared on things, you know, not just real wars, but the war on drugs and the war on crime and the war on poverty. And guess what? They've never worked. You, right. don't, you, don't, you don't solve problems by declaring war on them. You have to bring problems in and create a relationship with it. And that's where I really felt like, no, like, that's very negative and very low vibration in my world. What I need to do is raise my vibration. So by, by switching it to the other side, and the way I did it was I realized that the cells in my, in my tumor weren't evil. They weren't demonic. They weren't bad, right? This was a cell that got misplaced. It got stuck along the way when I was just an embryo. It lay dormant for all these years. Something jarred it loose and it woke up and it tried to just create whatever it was supposed to create. It, it really didn't have uh, any programming outside of, I'm supposed to do this, move, go, duplicate, mm-hmm. create, create. So the, the cells rapidly growing was just like any life form 
just trying to survive. So I, I really thought to myself, how could I be angry or declare negativity and war and hatred to my own cells? It's part of my body and it's living inside of me. Why would I want to send anger and hatred and negativity to what is part of me? That doesn't feel right to me. It felt way better when I said, you know what? I accept and love this thing that's part of me. We have to do something about it. You can't stick around. I, I would talk to JT and be like, listen, buddy, you know, I, I love you. You're great. But only one of us is getting out of here alive and it's not going to be, you know, you. So, um, so, you know, it was sort of like that feeling of like, you've done your job. I don't hate you or blame you for just trying to survive and do what you were programmed to do. You're just a cell that grew into a lot of cells. All right. But also it is time to go. Mm -hmm. And so instead of, it was let go. I gave it permission. I said, you did your job. I know you didn't do the job that you were originally set to do. But the job you did was so much bigger than that. You've taught me so much and changed my life. And I'm going to go and change other people's lives from what you taught me. So it's safe for you to let go. It's safe for you to go away. It's safe for you to die off peacefully knowing you've done your job. This is some of the dialogue I would have. And again, taking that same obstacle, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's money, whether it's a student in class who you don't know what to do with, and bringing them in and saying, hey, this person is just trying. They're, they're trying. They're not trying to be bad. They're just trying to survive how, however they know how to survive. Yeah. How can we love that? How can we give love to that? How can we see it from a different perspective and realize the opportunities that exist there versus the negativity that could happen? You know, right. A lot of kids who might have you know, learning disabilities, and I found out not too long before my cancer that I, that I was ADHD, explains a whole hell of a lot from my childhood, <laughs> but that was never diagnosed back then. But, you know, a, a kid who is, who's all over the place, you, you might look at him as like fear and, and anger and frustration. And ah, I got to fix this kid and fight this kid and beat this kid. And it's like, wait, what are all the gifts? Like I, I realized that I might be all over the place and, and sometimes hard, hard to, to reel in, <laughs> you know, my wife can attest to a lot of that, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, ideas come to me from all over the place and my mind's here and it's here and it's here and I got all these projects going on and there's a lot of benefit is learning how to harness it and learning how to work with your uh, circumstance and that right. is yeah. essentially what it, what it comes down to with whatever we're going through in our challenges big or small we all have a set of circumstances that we just need to change our perspective on and so I I really kept pushing that to people everything is about your perspective so whatever challenges you face, and I, and I say this, cancer is a huge challenge, yeah. you know, but, but having a bill you can't pay is a challenge or, or having a small a cold or whatever. I mean, there's so many challenges that we face every day, right. big and small, all right? right. They're not all going to be cancer, nor should they be. But with every challenge, we have our choice of how we're going to face it. And we can face it, you know, in the negative lower vibration, or we can choose to just rise up and say, okay. How can I embrace this? How can I love this? How can I take what's going on, whatever this challenge is, and turn this into inspiration? How can it help me become a better person? Even bigger than that, and this is what really helped me go through, is how can I take this and help more people? And that's a big reason why I kept putting the video. I mean, I I would do live Facebook and YouTube videos from my hospital room when I was feeling and looking my worst, knowing that I was going through a struggle perhaps, and I would share it. Because it's just going to say, look, I'm not just going to show you the, the rose-colored glasses of, of the online social media where we only show people our best and right. it's not real. I wanted to show people real reality. 
I'm going through this, but I always ended it with a lesson, but this is what I learned from it. And how can you apply that to your life? And when I realized that I could take everything that I was going through and give that back in, in I don't know how big of a way, people started reaching out to me slowly and letting me know your message is hitting me. It's helping me with this. It helped my mom with her cancer. It helped this person, that person, this person, the other person. You know, it just really just started to multiply. And I saw that there's a bigger reason for me to overcome my challenge. And that reason is all the people out there that I could help. So I took the pressure off of myself to just live for me. And I said, I need to live for everybody. And that was really a, a huge thing. I got some interesting opportunities throughout. Like, for example, I, I played drums every year. Um, for this, this student recital, a friend of mine teaches all these kids and there's this beautiful recital and I just get down and I just, I back them up and I accompany them. And, and I've watched these kids, you know, grow and evolve over the last six years doing this. And the event came up during my rounds of chemo on the day before I was going to move into my third round. And I wow. was bald and hairless and I felt weak and my fingers were tingling and it was really rough. But I, I said to my friend, I go, I'm still going to show up and play this because even if I can't play out all the way, I'm going to do what I can because there's a really important message to the kids. Right. And that's, tell, it's, that's showing them that, you know what, no matter what, you got to just still, you got to give it your best. You got to try, you got to be triumphant. You may not be able to do what you want to do or hope to do, but man, you just give it your all and that's going to be more than enough. And I okay. showed up that day and I showed up for those kids and they, and they recognized that and, and they were inspired themselves by that ability to just overcome and they could then overcome whatever may be keeping them from their lives. And, and their challenges as kids may sound a lot different than our challenges as adults, but mm -hmm. it's really, it's not the same. It's, it's relative. And so it, it applies to all of us when it comes down to that. Wow. So, I, I feel like what you just <clears throat> said, like it might not be going the way you want it to go, right. but you're still going to face it is speaking to exactly mm -hmm. what's going on right now. Because mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if anybody, if you've, if anybody that follows social media and you've seen, um, the praise going on for, you know, everybody on the front lines, it's insane. And this should, this should be the new normal, the praise that we give these type of people. Right. But right, right. the praise for the educators out there has been insanely awesome to see too, because yeah, this is something brand new to teachers. And, and, and a lot of people that aren't teachers don't, don't understand if you don't live with a teacher, understand how much really harder they are working. Like I've, I don't think I've ever seen Trisha as stressed as she is like trying yeah. to set up a zoom call with 22nd graders, you know, like, <laughs> So teachers yeah. are, are doing the same thing you do. Like they're seeing the positiveness and taking it head on. And Didi, I know you've seen a lot of that in your, your Facebook group. And yeah, you know, and, I, and one of the things that you said was you, you went to that recital, you showed up, um, even though you knew you weren't going to be your best because because of everything that you were going through uh, physically. Um, and I think that teachers also are, you know, showing up on these platforms that they've never been on before and their lessons are glitchy because they can't get this to connect and that right. to connect. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, they're just doing their best and showing up um, and um, sharing their love with their students because their students need to mm -hmm. see them. You know, they need to connect with their teacher. That's a, that's a sense of a little bit of normalcy. Um, and so, you know, giving ourselves some grace and saying, Hey, you know, this may not be perfect. However, I'm all in and I, I, tomorrow might be better for me. So. Yeah. That all That's in word is perfect. And, and I, I don't know, I just, this, I, I, I feel like we've done this before. I remember when we had Tara Martin on our podcast, Didi, and yeah. we, 
we just kind of nodded the whole time. Like yeah, people the whole time. Us. Like, yeah. this has been such a good conversation. Like, I could, I I, I'm so glad we had this too, because the TED Talk was, what, 10 minutes long? Like, I've gotten Ooh. to hear so much more about your story. But I know that's not where it stopped, because you, you got better. You're doing really, really well. So how did we get from that point where you're like, I'm, I got this, to, to setting it? I know you would use the word set it free. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, before I get to that, I, I wanted to just acknowledge something you said, Didi, about about all in and showing up and the teachers that are doing that. And it's not perfect, but they're still showing up. But again, if you if you practice my model philosophy of, of embrace and love, not only are they still showing up, which is which is huge, but I guarantee you through all of this, there is going to be some tremendous growth that would have yes. never happened. Right. Yes. Connect, connections yes. that would have never happened. Yes. Um, insight and knowledge and relationships. And there's so many things. There is so much positivity um, that you can find in it. And, and really, that's where the gold lies is finding those silver linings, finding the growth that comes out of it. You know, every time we face a big obstacle or challenge and we overcome that, we always have a very big benefit that comes with it. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people try to avoid their challenges in their life, but really it's the challenges that is where we grow. That's that, that outside of our comfort zone, that sort of cliche mm-hmm. saying, but yeah. that is where growth happens. And so sometimes we need to be thrown into something really insane so that we have to adapt and change and learn how do we grow? How do we thrive? How do we make this the best we can? And mm-hmm. what are some ways that we can really elevate our life and the lives of those around us? And this is a perfect opportunity for so many. One of the things that I say to, I used to say to my parents all the time um, when I was in the classroom and what I say to teachers now is that the learning is in the struggle. Like that's where we have our learning take place, whether it's academic or personal, it's, that's where we have that opportunity. So yeah, I think we're, I get you, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you could have been a teacher, Justin. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, yes, yes. So tell well, us more. Tell us more. Well, I, 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 I'm not a school teacher, but I am a teacher. You are. Yeah. I think, teaching I, yeah. Like I said, we're all, we're all, te- whether we think it or not, I didn't ever think I was, but I realized that, you know, anytime that you, that you explain or help or guide or teach, you are in essence becoming a teacher of something. I'm just well, not a I school know, teacher. I know school you teacher. taught everybody in that audience something that one day, even if my daughter afterwards would have conversations with me and she's, she was 10 at the time or 11 at the time. And I mean, we would still talk to her. She's like, so every time I say like, I'm going to chat with Justin or I get a text from you, she's like, you mean Justin that, that talked about his cancer and, and that? I'm like, yeah. And she like, she remembers that. I think she remembers it because of the message you spoke about overcoming it. Right. So yeah, you're, you're teaching everybody something new on a daily basis, man. You're right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm honored for the opportunity to, to be here to do that. Um, so let's take us into the, uh, the home stretch here and get, get some of the more, more of the payoff on how to actually move, move out of this and through it. So there's an interesting that, uh, thing that happened to me, and I think that will happen to a lot of people when going through their obstacle. You've embraced it. It's in there. You're good. You love it. You're vibrating in love. You're learning. You're inspiring. You're helping other people. You're thriving in this place, which I felt like when I was in my, in my hospital room during chemo, I felt like I never was closer to enlightenment than I was sitting in that hospital bed or whatever. I was talking to nurses. I was spewing wisdom that was coming out of nowhere. You know, I just really <laughs> felt like I, I felt like I put myself into this place where I really had the greatest opportunity to vibe in that highest place. And it felt really good juxtapositioned with the vomiting and the awfulness that I also felt. <laughs> now, when I went in and finally had 
the open chest surgery and I came out of that procedure, I was completely wrecked. I mean, I had, you know, I had tubes coming out of me through my rib cage and everything. I was in the ICU for over a week. Um, I couldn't eat for the next month. I couldn't even lift my own, like I was like a baby. Like my wife had to like lift my head up, move me around at a hospital bed in my bedroom. Uh, um, it was like, it was like, I, I literally was helpless and it was really hard to go through that space. And I actually dipped down again and it became really frustrating because I couldn't physically do so many things because of the surgery I had. I was 30 pounds lighter than I had started out with. I still looked like I was dying, you know, and I couldn't do anything for myself. And at that point, I wasn't feeling as enlightened anymore. And I'm like, wait, what happened to my great lesson and my philosophy? I'm losing it. And I felt like over the course of the next couple of months, I was like, it was leaving my grips and I was letting it leave my grips because I started to fall back into the smallness and the victimness again, because that was such a pattern that I was used to in my previous life, not in the past life, but in previous cancer life. <laughs> but, you know, playing small and, and being sort of a victim of what was happening to me. And, and I guess because I was just so beat down that it was just, I was like, okay, so this, this is, but I, I found out that this is normal because we know we're going, we're going, we're going. And then something inevitably is going to try to kick our asses again. And we're going to have to really, now it's like the home start where you've got to really, it's like that last couple of miles of the marathon where you know you're falling apart, but this is where, like, this is where the money is made. This is where like, it all really comes together. And this is where you can't give up, even though it's going to be a, like the struggle like this, holy cow, struggle, struggle, struggle. Now I got to find that dip. And what happened was I was still struggling a lot. I still felt closed down emotionally. Um, there's a whole nother section of this, of this journey that I tie to my emotional heart and my emotional closeness, which also gave me a lot of, a lot of power in taking responsibility for living with an emotionally closed heart for most of my <laughs> life and then growing a tumor into that heart. Um, I can go really deep with that, but that's right. a big part I play in my show as well. You know, but that gave me responsibility. I, I took that ownership saying, hey, maybe I contributed some way um, by living this way, it, me metaphorically, energetically. I mean, it happened, you know, and so I still wasn't, I still hadn't learned all the lessons I was supposed to learn and I was falling backwards again. And it showed up in the fact that come that mid-December, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I was feeling really weird. I had rushed into the hospital. Um, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They sent me home. I had an echocardiogram uh, with a new cardiologist, you know, a week later. And after I left, I got calls blowing up my phone asking me to leave where I was and rush to the ER. When I got there, I, I literally showed up and, you know, like you go to the ER and it's like this whole song and dance and you're, for hours you're waiting in the waiting room and you hope to get seen. I walked in and said, hi, I'm Justin Sandler. And they said, come with us. So wow. like they knew, they already knew I was on my way. I was rushed in. There was doctors coming in in street clothes. It was a Saturday, so they were being called um, you know, on call. And they told me that I had a cardiac tamponade and my heart was collapsing under a liter of fluid. And I was literally rushed into a surgery. And they had to literally pump this fluid out of me while I was wide awake because I had just come from a lunch party. And you know, going through that and then a week later having them do another surgery of my heart and they had to cut a pericardial hole it's in the sac around your heart, a, a hole in the bottom so that my heart could drain a fluid should it ever build up again. And they also had a test for, for cancer. They were afraid the cancer had gone into my heart. Um, it didn't, but that was a really also interesting metaphor, if you will, that I had a closed heart. I got the tumor off of it. I was still sort of closed. And then we literally surgically made a hole in my heart. 
a whole for me to experience life again. And I really saw that as such a powerful awakening that I realized that, oh my goodness, I, I have to you know, keep this going because I'm not there yet. I, I'm not on the other side yet. Like they said I was cancer free, but I'm not done with this journey yet. And I went through those heart surgeries. I got out just in time to start New Year's uh, of 2018. And I really, like from those heart surgery, I was so beat down. I, I, I had no energy, no stamina, no life force. And it took many, many months of sort of living in this world of not knowing like if I'll ever get my strength or stamina back and what am I going to do? I can't work. I can't do anything. I feel so helpless. And so what happened was somewhere a few months after that, um, I had this, this grand awakening and I realized it's like, whoa, I've been preaching embrace love free. The cancer is gone, but I have not freed the cancer from my body. I have not freed the concept of still being a cancer patient. I wanted to still be treated as a street special. Like I'm the cancer guy, like treat me nicer, give me more things. Like, you know, like it was easier at times to be the cancer patient. And when I found myself actually fantasizing about being back in the hospital, that's when I really realized that, oh my goodness, I, I, I have not freed this obstacle from my life. And that's when I had to do some really deep emotional and, and philosophical and energetic work and say to myself, okay, I have, I have conquered this on a physical level. I learned how to embrace it and live through love. I've learned how to help other people, but I can't go out there and really share this message and this concept until I fully complete this cycle and free the cancer energetically from my being. And I got to work on that. And I, I literally went through a transformation where I let go of the concept of needing to be the patient anymore. I let go of needing to be associated with Justin cancer patient to Justin cancer survivor. And by making some of those small shifts, I started to elevate. I literally felt it physically. And I, I, I felt like the light shining more. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm moving past it now. I'm understanding now the point of what free means. I really have to let that go. Thank it. Gratitude of always. And let that go and let that be part of my past now. And I need to now go forward with a totally new trajectory. And making that shift was so key. And, and while you know, we're going through the struggles of today, that's another big point is that eventually, hopefully, we'll get back to some right. sort of what life was like before. It'll never be the same, but we're going to get to a new life, a new, I hate the new normal term, but we're going to get to something that is different, a new trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so the point is that once we kind of get to go back out there and sort of recalibrate and relaunch our new lives, this is the time to leave the other stuff behind us. Whatever kept us home for however many months and whatever we had to deal with during that time, whatever challenges we had to face, it's time to bow, thank you, gratitude. I, I can move past this now. Mm-hmm. And when you let that go and you make peace with it, which is a really important thing is to really be at peace not just forcing it and faking it, but really going through the steps, even if it's really hard, making peace with what you had gone through, making peace with the said obstacle and saying, okay, I'm there. I can go forward now. Let's do this. Let's see what adventure lies ahead. Mm-hmm. What can I do with all this life I have in front of me? How can I help people on the biggest scale ever? Ah, I thought, write a one-man show. Share it through, <laughs> share it through my you know, performing skills and, and do it that way. Wait, what, what about doing, a, doing talks? I started getting you know, 
brought in to, to speak to different organizations. I spoke for UCLA. Um, I got a huge honor to get to speak for the Gold Humanism Honor Society for UCLA grads, or, um, medical students and impart wisdom on the future doctors of tomorrow. Like I really started to see that as I got to tell my story, I was able to really impact people's lives. And I realized that I had to complete all three steps to have the confidence and the, the facilities to, to go out there and teach all three steps of this. And that's what eventually led into me getting accepted into TEDx Normal, where I met Adam and we got to do uh, our TED Talks, which was, you know, sort of like not the top of life, obviously, but it was definitely a, a milestone to hit to be able to give that TED Talk and, yeah. and quantitate my story and share it academically uh, with a, a, a three-step method and realize that I can hit that stage and really share it. And then I started working on a book since then because now I want to take the three steps and expand upon it and telling my story to really give way more depth and insight so that when you can really dive in at a much right. deeper level, you can grow and gain so much more for it. Um, so that was for me such a powerful way to, to put a finite ending on the obstacle, reap the massive benefit of what life has for me now, because there's been a lot of them, and then turn around and say, what are the, all the things I can do and how, are, how can I touch so many lives and what can I do next? And look at all this opportunity. And look, I still struggle. I still have my days. That's a human, a human thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's about not getting trapped in that. It's about honoring, oh, today I feel a little crappy. So I'm going to honor that. I'm going to own that. I'm going to sit with that. And I'm going to do some exercises to get me out of that because I know that even this is considered an obstacle. And if I can overcome today's crappiness, I can find benefit in what, uh, what, what it means to come, o- come over this day of challenge. And so that's where I'm at today, where I feel like I really um, saw this thing through in all, in all areas. And I'm at mm-hmm. a place where just like I'm on the talk with you guys today and, and your audience, hopefully at least one person got a bit of nugget there that they can apply into their lives. And, and I just think that it's just for me an amazing opportunity to keep going, to keep growing as a person and to keep sharing my story with every platform I can you know, possibly get it on. And that's right. where we are today. Well, it's definitely I mean, one that needs to be shared for sure. Yeah. I mean, no, but nobody would ever dream that this moment in time is something that is positive. However, I mean, you can look through and see so many positives that are coming out of it. And what are we going to carry with us on to the next? And you said your trajectory, because we're not going to go back to what we used to do. Things are going right. to be different, right? So how how do we take this moment in time, everything that we've learned, and how does that change the path that we go in the future? Well, I think some of my favorite things that I've seen, and I know there's, <laughs> there's something about COVID-19 everywhere you look on social media or TV, but... Yeah. Um, then I really like the term you used about a new life, you know, and, and, and it kind of makes me want to get rid of that new normal term. But one that I saw the, the most really related to, to um, students and people with children. And, and I made me think of my daughter and my son, because I can't imagine what, while the rest of us are, are facing this, I can't imagine what is going through their little minds right now. You know, like this is my daughter said to me the day she goes, our teacher on a zoom call, dad said, we're going to be part of history. I'm like, you are kid. Like you're going to be part of history books one day. Like people are going to write about this, that what's going on right now. But I've seen so much and it's, it's made me feel, I guess on, on my good days, like a better dad, because I've gotten to witness so much about them that I don't get to witness when they're at school, you know? So that's been my way of looking at this in a positive light. Um, yeah, it sucks that I'm not working. It sucks that we're stuck at home, but then you look at those things and the positive of not working is I get to be at home with my kids, you know, and the positive of not having to go to school every day is I get to see them learn. And 
I, I, I'm going to take what you just said to heart that there's positives in all of this mm-hmm. and it's going to be different, but it's going to be better when we come out of it. And we will come out of this. There's, you know, it, it's going to pass. Yeah. This is a, this is a great opportunity for a new reset for people. This is a great chance for people to slow down for a minute from the hustle or the zombie filled life they might've been in before <laughs> and yeah. stop and be like, Whoa, I have time. Let me reevaluate. Am I happy with what I'm doing for work, for life, for love, whatever the things I, I have going on? Does this fulfill me? You know, or is this a great chance for me to stop and realize what else can I be doing? What more can I be doing? Um, because look, after facing my own mortality, you, you start to realize that you know you you go through life and then you get old and then you die or or whatever may happen and you don't want to look back and be like oh you know I I, wish I was I. just so busy yeah I should have would have could I could have been yeah. doing these things it's like you know what this if this is anything it's it's a wake up call to people saying look let's let's take life a little more seriously and let's take the hustle of life a little less seriously let's find out what we can do to be our best person and let's use this as the greatest opportunity we've ever faced versus the greatest Uh, downfall we've ever faced and no let's not call this a new normal because new normal in the cancer world especially has to do with not having your your faculties the way you used to and getting used to living less than the person you are and i refuse to go down the new normal with those connotations it's a new opportunity it's a new life it's a new adventure it's new it's it's beautiful it's like a rebirth so you know here's your chance to start over You know, are you going to go right back to where you were or are you going to take this opportunity and, you know, hit the ground running with it? And that's what I really want to impart on people is, you know, take what you've gone through, go -hmm. through the steps, whatever it may be, the good, the bad, the hard days, et cetera, but really put this together and see what an opportunity we have to really redefine ourselves and move forward in a life that we could have never imagined beforehand. I think that's the mic drop moment right there. Like, yep. <laughs> that's a good spot. So, and that's today's show. There we go. So thank you yeah, so much. Thank you very much. Justin, we really, really thank appreciate you. this more than you know um, yes, for sharing your story you. and inspiring us. We will link all of Justin's information in the show notes below. But just search. I got all my notes. Check his website. Yes. Um, yes. He mentioned it earlier. We're going to put it down below. Search him on YouTube and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for Yes. Thanks, thank you guys. You. Bye. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you are finding them. And share and rate it so others can find it as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.